0: You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business and welcome everybody to episode number 14 of the boots about business podcast i am your host frank strong and here with us today is joshua wilson he is a corporate relationship manager at america's warrior partnership that's a nonprofit aimed at empowering communities to empower veterans that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people but to josh he's focused on helping businesses set up military affairs programs which is why we invited him on. If you are a leader in business, or work in HR, recruiting, and want to attract and retain more veteran employees, you're gonna to wanna to stick around this one. Josh, welcome to the show, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me, Frank. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So we always spend the first part of the interview just kinda of reminiscing, no kidding, there I was, right? Why, you joined the Marines, why Why the Marines?
1: Right, so uh, I come from a pretty small town, I graduated near the bottom of my high school class. I was kind of a skip at school type, want to go fishing type, and the Marines were the best opportunity that we had. We didn't have a lot of work in central Georgia at the time, so it was uh, just good work, and obviously, I wanted to be a hero, young, idealistic man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't help but throw a joke, you know, bottom of the class, you went to the Marines,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. What, what was your
1: job in the Marine Corps? What did you do? Uh, the code was 6531 Aviation Ordinance, and uh, I was one of the lucky ones uh, because I got to work on all the different rotor wing aircraft, so skids and 53s and frogs. Yeah, very cool. So swing with the wing, swing with the wing. Isn't that what they say? Yeah. Well, they got a lot of cool sayings. Ordinance is I yes. Uh, if you ain't ordinance, you ain't. And the S, uh, we'll leave it to your audience to figure it out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, maybe the guys at Cherry Point can shout that across the the way there
1: to the Zoom. But (laughs) (laughs) where did you go when you were in in the service? Going your special? Yeah, no, I did the 26th Mew on the USS Iwo Jima. And I thought it was going to be a six-month boat ride, but they sent us over to Al-Asad, Iraq. And so I was there for four months and I, I got to, it was just two of us from our parent unit. So we kind of like, we got to hop through a few units. I got to see how the West Coast Marines roll, which was really cool. And then went to uh, Djibouti and did seven months there. And that was pretty awesome as well.
0: Yeah. And for anyone uh, that's listening, it that doesn't know what a MU is. That is a Marine Expeditionary Unit, right? So what is that briefly?
1: Oh, so the Marine Expeditionary Unit, it, it, it's an amazing thing to see when they leave and when they come, but essentially it is a joint task force. The Navy has a huge ship that Iwo Jima is loaded full of sailors and we've got all these different fixed wings and people from different units to have a couple different skids. Some Harriers are on board, some 53s, and we're just out there operationally ready in the Mediterranean or wherever the other Mews go. So that's what it looks like.
0: Yeah. And the the idea is to project power, right? You can, you put a bunch of Marines on the beach anywhere and you're over the seas. I guess I've heard, I've read recently, they're getting away from the over the horizon Concept that they've had forever. That's something coming down in the
1: next 10 years. It'd be interesting to watch. Have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard about it specifically, but I had a discussion with another buddy of mine who's still in, and we were just talking about the, the changing landscape the idea that you take this huge ship full of infantry and stuff like a mew and all these aircraft, and you, you just kind of scatter out throughout the Middle East. Yeah, it's going to be different. It is going to be different. And it's going to be different because the world is changing, right?
0: Yeah. It's funny that you say infantry because it's a good way to. I think think about the Marines, it's really what they are is naval infantry. But, you know, they're getting rid of like tankers and, and all kinds of things like that. So it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. One of the questions I always ask people is, what, what was your worst day
1: in uniform? So my worst day in uniform was entirely brought on by myself. I, I didn't realize it, but they were setting me up to potentially get a, a meritorious promotion. I was going to go before the board and I didn't realize this. And this was actually during the MU I was on the unit. I showed up to work with my awards crooked, just a little crooked. And so I walk in front of the sergeant major, first sergeant, and my staff sergeant, and they're all having a cup of coffee. They're close. And he says, hey, you need to fix that. So I go to fix it. He says, take your jacket off. I'm trying to fix it on the outside of my jacket. He says, take your jacket off. So I take the jacket off and I reveal that I actually still have a PFC undershirt. And so it was wild. I mean, I got roasted for a good 24 hours, and uh, they had me go get like all my possessions and like bring them in here and move them there. It was like boot camp all over again. And that just day was so intense, man. It was it was such intense grilling. But I mean, it's obviously good stuff.
0: It's it's funny it's when you're in dress uniform, the Marine uniform, you don't see anything that you're wearing underneath, right? It's 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 a complete coat that that covers your upper body and. You guys wear I, I remember seeing guys wearing all kinds of stuff. They'd have like Harley-Davidson shirts and all that kind of <laughs> thing underneath. You never knew what they were wearing, but there is a prescription, right? You're supposed to wear, I think, a white T-shirt. Isn't that the prescribed uniform?
1: Yeah, flat white T, and then you're wearing your tan overshirt, you tie and yeah, the green overjacket.
0: Oh, you were wearing a service uniform then. You weren't wearing dress
1: blues. It wasn't dress blues. It was service outfits. That's right. Okay.
0: But you you had a tie on, so your top collar was buttoned up. That's right. Right. So you can't see what's underneath. Got it.
1: All right. So the flip side of that
0: question I always ask, what was your best day?
1: So the best day was with that same group. I mean, they were they were some tough guys. The the skid it was a skid unit, but it was actually when uh, we took that.
0: What's a skid unit?
1: Oh, skid unit. So uh, those are the attack helicopters we have. And so for ordnance, that's kind of one of especially in the fixed wing, that's like the creme de la creme because the whole thing is ordnance. You have a lot of responsibility, a lot to do, and obviously it's just it's very rewarding working on those. But when we did the Mew and we went out toward Iraq, the best day was. I just had this really perfect day where I'd gotten a qualification CDI. I was riding around on these, they're kind of like mules or gators, but they're essentially aircraft vehicles. And we're riding around and I was helping maintenance control, calling aircraft, loading aircraft. And then we sent out some aircraft early and it just so happened there was an incident. They were able to pick up some guys. And so it's just, it just worked out. We just did a lot of good work. It's just a great day. And that was your best day. Best day. Amazing day. Good work.
0: What What was so good about it? Just being out there or, or having a, a mission that came while you were in route? or?
1: Well, for me, it was that that was the most responsibility I ever had in a single day. And it was the most work I got done in a single day. And so it was just this massive feeling of accomplishment because, you know, deployments, as, as many of you guys out there who've been on deployments, know, they come in ebbs and flows, especially if you're not necessarily in this extreme hot zone. Which it wasn't that hot in that time. And so it was just a really good day to to feel alive. Yeah, for sure.
0: When you think about how many years did how many years did you serve?
1: Four years. Four I mean, years. I'm, a, I'm a tourist.
0: Yeah, four years. Uh, hey, man, you did your part.
1: Four years in uniform. What do you think the service taught you? A lot of things. But the 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 biggest thing that I still remember, and it's the difference between a guy who is struggling with a high school in rural Georgia and, and who I am now, is the military showed me that if you push yourself, you can do great things. And physical training is something that seems so minute to people who've never done it, but when you realize that any anyone's body, because you see other body types as well, can be shaped, and then you see their mind shaped as well, it tells you that the possibilities are limitless by experience, not by you know imagination. And so you carry that with you forever. That's probably my best gift yeah, and then so you did four years. You were
0: thinking about getting out. What was um? Why did you leave the service? What was your plan?
1: Yeah, so I mean, as a young, I, I went in on my 18th birthday, right? And so I was a fresh 22, and I I really loved the Marines. Um, I did. It it was for me. It was just what else is out there? The same thing that got me in is the same thing that got me out. I just, I wanted to know what college was like. I wanted to go meet girls who didn't know military guys. I wanted to go see countryside. So I just, I wanted to continue independently exploring.
0: Yep. You ended up going to college and then, you know, for a kid at the bottom of his high school class, you went to law school and, you know, obviously you've got some brains if you're going to be a lawyer. You're a licensed attorney, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why law school?
1: Right. So, it was li- it, so a similar thing in terms of choosing branches. It initially wanted to go Navy, just thought Navy was cool. Marine recruiters like we're better. We're the best. And I was like, are you really? And he, he sold me on it. I believed that the Marines were harder, hard charger was going to be a more competitive environment. And it just kind of drew me because I really wanted to be ambitious. I hadn't ever really been ambitious. I wasn't a great athlete or anything in school. So I just wanted to know what it was like. And so law school is kind of a similar thing. If I could tackle the Marines then why not tackle something that's kind of elite? And then I was interested in law because I'm interested in justice. And so the same thing with trying to get the MBA at the same time, it was like, this is going to be challenging. That was what it was about. And did you, you got your MBA at the same time? So you got a dual degree? I did. Yeah. That's rough, man. Good for you. (laughs) Long days.
0: Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, litigation theory and managerial economics at the same time. You didn't stay in law. You are now with America's Warrior Partnership. Tell us what attracted you to go there and then
1: give us the the elevator version of what that is so i was working alongside i was in the public defender's office in augusta georgia i was working alongside an attorney named jennifer cross and you know we talked talking back and forth and i met her husband now or future husband but uh, his, his name is scott cambers scott cambers works in marriage warrior partnership and he said to me he said look and I, I was explaining to him that i liked law but i wanted to branch out and help other types of people. He said, well, you've been advocating for people who are indigent, people who are poor. Have you ever thought about advocating for veterans? And I said, well, you know, I only did four years. I'm not really someone who could speak for the military because I haven't been in for 30. So it was an interesting kind of thing. I joked about the tourist stuff. And he said, you know what? You made the most of the military. You made the most of the GI Bill. You do good at helping these folks. Come help our folks. So he really kind of gave me a pitch and I got excited about it. I missed the military at that point really badly. And so I, I thought being around veterans would give me a sense of community. And it was interesting because the more I learned about our organization, the more I realized everyone is looking for community. And then to tell you about America's Warrior Partnership, America's Warrior Partnership, when they say they empower communities to empower veterans, what we mean Is that we have communities all over the United States where we're looking for veterans where they live so we can help them where they live. It's not completely remote or completely isolated. At the same time, there's huge national organizations like the USO, BFW, Gary Sinise Foundation, Honor Bound. There's these big organizations and they have a lot of resources. So our mission is to get those resources and bring them to the local community so you can actually go right directly to where the vets are and speak with them and talk with them and so it's an actual community so it was the same thing i was missing it's kind of the thing we're doing so it was part and parcel
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and then they they hired you to work on a specific program right the corporate veteran initiative what is that why
1: did the partnership start it and and then what do you do specifically I got you. Yeah. So the Corporate Veteran Initiative had been sort of a, a, a concept program, and it was only active in one organization, and that was AGS. They were, but they piloted it with us. And so when I was brought on by Jim Lorraine, our CEO, he explained to me, We are doing amazing things in the communities, right? We're reaching out to military veterans and military family members. But what we're looking for as well is to bring in people who want to volunteer, people who want to give back, and people who can lead. Because you can look at a specific town in the United States and know that they have a certain percentage of maybe homeless veterans Mm -hmm. or that they may have high suicide rate among military-connected citizens. But if we had more leaders and we had more people who were actually working in the corporate sector, we could help them, right? Maximize their GI Bill. They still need resources too, but we could also encourage them to get involved. So it's really trying to build that network the same way the military has officer and enlisted. We need people in the corporate sector who could, they have more financial means, they have more time, they can give back. So it, it's kind of a, a dual thing. Help them, help us, and then help the other population as well.
0: What? Um, where do you think businesses go wrong in hiring veterans? What, what are the pitfalls?
1: Well, some of the biggest pitfalls is they spend a heck of a lot of time planning large-scale strategic operations, when veterans are known to be in certain locations. So you could spend an entire year coming up with your KPIs and your big time plans and figure out how you wanna hire. You could bring on a lot of consultants, you could make a huge parade out of it. But at the end of the day, you need recruiters who understand military veterans. And so that needs to either mean, you need to hire a veteran to hire other veterans, or you need to hire someone who's closely related. So that military spouse, Or family member. So that's one issue. A person who doesn't understand the branches isn't going to bring in veterans. That's why military contractors do so well. The second thing businesses do wrong is they don't go where veterans are. I learned this at the Value of a Veteran Recruiting Conference a couple of years back, but military veterans, a lot of them have the GI Bill, so they're on the campus. So that's a huge place. Physically go to the campus, find a way in, and then they're transitioning out of the base there's retention sergeant majors, there's people from specific units that want to help those military members who are getting out. Making a conscious choice to send your employees to make relationships with them will give you a real pipeline. And you can do that without having a large, expensive corporate plan. Right, You can do that even if you're a small organization.
0: Yeah, I got it. So I want to talk a little bit about the military affairs programs. And I'm going to I'm going to modify the question I was going to ask you just a little bit. Tell us, tell us what is a military affairs program within
1: a business? What does that look like? And then what can other businesses learn from that? I got you. So military affairs programs are largely dependent on the industry, the size of the organization and the budget set aside. Some military affairs programs are independent and they're, they're led by one HR trained person, ideally a veteran. Others fall under diversity and inclusion. It's all in the family of human resources, but yeah. every military affairs program, and they they look different. Some of them are focused on employee resource groups. Some of them are big on volunteering. Some of them are just military appreciation style groups. But regardless of the group, the one thing they have in common is they want to recognize and create a better quality of life for the military veterans in that company. And so that's the core thing that they want. And that's what we sort of pivot around when we're working with those programs. Mm-hmm
0: what do businesses get? Businesses with military affairs programs, what do they get out of that, right? Everything in business has got to have some kind of return on investment.
1: Right. So what can they expect? There's a, a long laundry list of these things, but one of the first things they can, they can expect is that they will retain more employees, not just that military veterans stay longer. There are studies that show that military spouses stay longer to companies that treat them well. But also uh, there's data out there that suggests that companies that have military programs that work really well have greater association between the employee and the mission, right? Professor Brooks wholesome from Georgetown University studies retention research, and he studied military retention. And we uh, worked with him in terms of trying to understand employee retention. And what we have looked at in his research is that there's a consistent trend between this idea of job embeddedness, and that's what he teaches. But job embeddedness happens when people feel like they fit in the community and they fit into the organization and that they align with the values. And so the military is something that's universally American. It's universally good for team building. And military efficiency and military greatness and success is very similar to business greatness and success. Being able to look at and identify objectives and organize and lead people, that's what the military does well. So those veterans, and we all know this, are really wonderful at doing that. So that's what we're looking at is bringing in quality veterans into the organization, but keeping them, keeping them there.
0: Yeah. So a follow-up question for you. I was struck by your reference to military spouses. So, you know, in the active duty military, you know, every two to four years, an active duty member can get you know, shuffled around to a new job, to a new location. They got to pick up the whole family and move and their life is secure, right? They've got a job, they've got income coming in, but the spouses that stay with them, they're sort of uprooted if they had a civilian job. And so they're going to uh, new locations and it tends to be really an untapped source of talent. And I wonder if you, you know, I just was struck by the idea that some of these military and affairs programs may not just deal specifically with veterans, But dealing with military spouses, right? Because the veterans wouldn't be able to do what they're doing without the support of their spouse. I wonder, wonder if you can tell us about military spouses for a moment.
1: Right. Yeah. So off the bat, and this is just to start with a little personal anecdote, military spouses are some of the most wonderful corporate veteran initiative employees that we have. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, if you take a gamble And I say a gamble because military spouses do move around a lot. So as a business, it may be a bit of a gamble in terms of you may need somebody to be geographically locked. But if you can accommodate that, military spouses have been proven time and time again to be really loyal to the organization. There's definitely some companies that have data that they've shared it with us. I just don't have it on hand, but that has shown that military spouses stay longer (laughs) at the organization and they get more work done. I also think that military culture is imbued into the family. So even if the husband or the wife is active duty and they're serving, right, the living on base, learning to follow procedures and protocol, taking care of a family, being able to quickly move in addition to working is something that is unique only to military spouses. You don't just get that from any civilian off the street, the the ability to be flexible and understand complex political structures that happen between civilian and military. So I think there's just a lot of soft skills that come in. And it makes a world of difference in sales and logistics and leadership. So military spouses are really good for that. And companies, they can do a lot of things, right? There's certifications for military spouse programs you can get online that you can advertise that you're military spouse friendly. There are programs that you can create from other organizations I think it was Capital One has a fantastic program that they share information with a lot of people. A lot of these recruiting conferences, if you go to them, they will usually have at least one or two company who talks about how they built military spouse programs. And it's usually through the accommodation of military spouses through remote work. And we're already getting to that point. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to see. I think that we're going to see a huge boost in the productivity of the spouses now.
0: Yeah, and I can't speak for the other services, but I know the Army has what they call the FRG, the Family Readiness Group. They've really made an effort to have a standing program. Every single unit at a company level has an FRG, a Family Readiness Group. And the idea is to kind of have events and build those relationships between the unit commanders and the families prior to deployment, so that when a deployment comes up, they already have some points of contact. There's an organization, a structure in place to communicate uh, information about what's happening, what people might need, what information folks back home might have. Sometimes, you know, a, a spouse may have a family member that's deployed overseas and they need a little assistance. There's a structure, an infrastructure there and a way for the unit to stay involved. So the point being, the military is very open to doing this stuff. I imagine they'd find a receptive audience as if businesses are interested in also supporting the military spouses, which is an untapped source of, of talent for sure. In your experience, What advice would you have for a business that wants to get started with a military affairs program?
1: Uh, The first thing I would say is take an inventory of the resources that you have available to you. So if you are a small 10-person organization, it's going to be way different than the hurdles and finances required if you have 20,000 employees. You take the inventory, though, regardless of what you find. The first thing you need to do is identify the military veterans in your organization. You can do that by looking at how many, it may be an aggregate number, but how many individuals have declared. The way that we do it is when we introduce the Corporate Veteran Initiative to a partner organization, we send a survey out with an incentive to receive a $50 Visa gift card, and we send out marketing to encourage people that it will be free for the employees So it's a big push to identify who you have. If you're a small organization, find at least one. Finding a military veteran is worth its weight in gold because veterans connect, they know who each other is, right? The same way I was brought into America's Warrior Partnership was through a veteran. Mm -hmm. So recruiting is really strong through veteran, but also building your program strong through veterans. Veterans will help you get that process done because they're very good at building teams, regardless of what their previous experience is, this is universal. So the first thing is to find the veteran, the second thing that you want to do is get a gauge of what they need. If you're in a rural community, it's going to be very different than a big city. If your company spread out all over the U.S., it's going to be very different than if you have two big plants. But we know that military veterans from our surveys, especially in the Corporate Veteran Initiative, their number one request is community building through volunteering. So doing things like Soldiers Angels, Operation Gratitude Care Packages, sending letters. These are things you can do in your organization led by your veterans that you can market, you can get good PR, and it's, it's, it's easy to do. These don't require significant donations or time. The veterans can plan it for you. So creating a committee, creating a Facebook group, even if you wanna do something that's really easy, there's a lot of different options for ways you can reach out. But the key is outreach. You actually have to reach out. And that's the thing that we really focus on when we advocate for veterans. Gotta give them a call, you gotta get them on the phone or get them in that office room so that way you can have a face-to-face. It shouldn't be all email. Yeah, that makes sense. If there's a veteran out
0: there listening that works for a business now and realizes that they don't have a military affairs program, but think they ought to start one, what advice would you have for them to get one started or at least begin to plant the seeds in the minds of their leadership for getting one
1: going? Right. So if you are in a position where you think that your organization would want to do it, you can speak with them directly and talk about planning. But I think the easiest way to do it, and it just garners some leverage off the bat, is to create a social media group where you say, "Hey, if you're a veteran, will you join my social media group?" See if you can get some interest going. So, if you're in a company that has 100 employees and you have a group of 10 veterans that start a social media interest group, and you guys, you know, talk or maybe you meet once a month, you have a Zoom call or something like that. That's a really good way, easy way. It doesn't take a lot of time to build a small network. Then, if there's something that you need or something that you want or something that you want to do. You can go to your, and it would be human resources. You want to go to someone in human resources or a vice president, CEO, big time leadership and say, we want to establish this as a bedrock of the company. Your chain of command may look different depending on the hierarchical structure of your organization, whether it's flat or whether it's high, you know, you may have to go through many channels or just one, but human resources is a great way to start because that's, that's their focus on the benefit side. And so most companies would be very receptive to this. And I, I just think you'll have even more power if you have your group. Yeah.
0: And there's um, in the commercial side in the business world. There's a chain of command, just like there is in the military. Should a veteran that's thinking about doing this, should they check with their boss before going to HR or or sending a note to the, bo- to the CEO to try to get an appointment, talk about it? Like, what, absolutely.
1: What, yeah. You have to use good sense, depending on your organization. Because I think in some places, if you started to build a group on your own, you didn't tell your supervisor, it could be unsavory. So you have to use your industry and your business common sense on that one.
0: Yeah, and ultimately, you want everyone's support. So don't alienate people from the outset. For sure. You do better if you get them involved. All right, last question I have for you. And just in the experience you have in working with businesses and setting these up, is there anything you've learned about veteran friendly organizations in your work that you can share? In other words, what should veterans look for in an employer?
1: So when veterans are dealing with the employer, Obviously, and this, I can't stress this enough, and this isn't specific to military affairs. When I got out of being aviation ordnance, and, and this happens for a lot of younger military as well, you may not know what you want to do exactly with your life. And so if you say, well, I'm going to go into sales and you do sales for a few years, that's fine, but it's perfectly acceptable to take time to figure out what your interests are going to be. And that seems like generic advice, but it's really important for military because you, most people in the enlisted side, we don't pick our job. So you haven't actually had a chance to think about, well, what do I want to do? You were kind of put into a place. And so that's a huge thing is to really do thorough research into your industry so that you have an idea about what you want to do in your position. But from the military affairs side, you can look at the website to see if they have an MOS translator, look to see if they have other veterans working there, check the LinkedIn to see if there's a network you can reach out to. There may be a mentor that could help you. And then obviously, and this goes to veterans looking for work and the companies, you could also reach out to us at America's Warrior Partnership Corporate Veteran Initiative. We can assist you in finding some of our partner companies. And if you're an employer, obviously, we can help you build a program. So there's there's that option as well.
0: Yeah. And speaking of that, where can people find you online? Where can they find the America Warriors Partnership and specifically the Corporate Veteran Initiative? Where can people find you? We'll put these in the show notes. So go to bootsaboutbusiness.com, you'll be able to find all these links.
1: Yeah, it sounds good. So uh, you can check us out at americaswarriorpartnership.org backslash corporate veteran initiative. You could also do a quick Google search for America's Warrior Partnership if it's just easier for you to do that. On our main page, we're one of the programs. And for employers, you'll have a link where you can check out a self-assessment to see how you compare to other companies' military affairs programs. And then there'll be a, a form where you can apply to work with us. And then for veterans, you can enroll in a link. Let us know what your needs are, whether you're seeking volunteering, healthcare, financial, transportation, any sort of assistance. We'll see what we can find for you in our network. If you're looking for an employer, we can try to hook you up with one as well. Yeah, Awesome. And where can people find you online, Josh? So if you want to find me, you can reach out to me via email. My email is open. You can reach me at jwilson at America's Warrior Partnership. Shoot me an email. And I'll promptly respond and and work with any veteran, never turn a veteran down, any military-connected employee, any spouse, anyone that needs anything. And obviously, employers are more than welcome to talk to me about partnership as well. All right, Josh, this has
0: been great. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you for coming on the show. And thanks for all you're doing to help connect veterans and businesses.
1: Thanks for your service and your time, Frank.
0: Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong, out here.